0: trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles hunting podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and I can't believe that 2024 marks 10 years of podcasting. Over the last decade, I have had the pleasure of talking with hundreds upon hundreds of passionate outdoors men and women who share the same excitement for hunting as I do. Whether you hunt public lands or private property, shoot traditional archery equipment or high powered rifles, we all have one thing in common, and that's our love for the great outdoors. This year, I plan on continuing that tradition and bringing educational and entertaining content to your ears. Thank you for your continued support, and I hope you all have the best seasons of your life. Good vibes in, good vibes out. Mic check 1 2. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode in the No Foreplay series right here on the Nine Finger Chronicles. I'm your host Dan Johnson. And before I get into today's episode, every time I post a podcast or launch a podcast or or post a question or uh I don't necessarily voice my own opinions per se. Sometimes I do. I, you know, not about other states, but usually about Iowa where I live, there's always negative feedback associated with it. And there's a lot of people out there who have reached out to me and they're like, Hey, I don't want to listen to politics. I don't want to listen to rules and regulations talk. I want to hear hunting stories. I want to hear hunting strategies and that's it. And that's all fine and dandy. Okay. I've been doing this now for 10 years And I've had all those conversations, okay? And I continue to have those conversations with people because it is fun. It is interesting. Uh, And every story that we hear about a big buck getting killed can actually, you can take something away from that if you want. And you can apply it to your scenarios and it will make you a better deer hunter. But for the future of hunting, somebody has to have the conversations that are uncomfortable and I don't see a lot of people doing it. And so that's why I try to have conversations with educated people who know what they're talking about, who are going to voice their opinions about what they're happy with in this hunting community and what they're unhappy with. Right. And a lot of times if you were to boil it all down, it comes back to rules and regulations and who has the influence of the rules and regulations? It's politics. It's politicians. And so I do, my, I, I do my best to try to get both sides of the story. I try my best, but just know that if I launch a podcast that has to do with rules and regulations or politics and hunting, uh, things like that, that I have one goal in mind. And that's to educate people as much as possible about why certain rules and regulations are made, about who who these rules and regulations affect, and what that means to all of us, whether you're a non-resident or a resident of those states. So um, just know that I have the absolute best intentions in mind. I know politics are never really fun to... uh, to talk about or discuss, especially if somebody has a, uh, a different point of view than you do. Uh, and, and I, I couldn't agree more, but I feel like in certain scenarios, it is necessary to talk about these things because our goal, like my goal is to unite, right? I, I want hunters to uni- unite. I don't care if, you know what kind of what style of hunting you you do, where you hunt, public private. I don't care about any of that. My goal is to put out content that will bring all of us closer together. That's the main goal, and uh, and educate people and entertain people along the way. So uh, thanks for letting me rant just a little bit here. We do have a really good no foreplay episode today. We're going to be talking once again with Clint Campbell, and today is all about shot placement. We're going to be talking about where to aim, what we feel comfortable with. And one of my favorite topics that I don't feel that I, I'm, I may not have ever covered it is where you hang your tree stand. Does that impact what kind of shot you're going to take? For example, uh, I'm the kind of guy who I really like to get in tight I want to be where the deer is going to be coming through and usually that means they're going to be coming right at me they'll be broadside for a little bit and then they'll be quartering away at some point point. and so we talk about whether or not where you hang your tree stands or place your ground blind has any impact in what kind of shot will be will be available for you guys so that's uh Uh, It's a really fun conversation as always. Uh, Clint is a great guest full of knowledge and uh, information and a good way of uh, sharing that with us. So before we get into today's episode, got to do the commercials and I really do appreciate you guys taking time out of your day to listening to this because these are the people who pay me. This is how I support my family and uh, please if you hear about a product on the Nine Finger Chronicles Like in these short little commercials, do me a favor, go do some research, at least go to their website, take a look at it and, uh, let everybody know, you know, if you do decide to buy, let them know that you heard about their product from the nine finger Chronicle. So what do we got here? First on the list, tethered dude, tethered. I don't know if they've officially announced it yet, but they're coming out with a new retail line, uh, of gear, um, I don't know if I'm even supposed to say that quite yet, but I know it's coming, (laughs) so uh, I hope I don't get in trouble. Anyway, if you want to go check out saddle saddle hunting accessories, go check out tethernation.com. Tons of great information there that's going to make you a better better saddle hunter. Wasparchery.com, if you are looking for, in my opinion, one of... At least top five, in my opinion, a company that's been around for a very long time and has continued to put out quality broadheads, Wasp Archery is the place you need to go visit. Mechanicals and fixed blades, Watch wasparchery.com, discount code NFC20 for 20% off. Vortex Optics, Uh, they have come out with a ton of new products lately, and I think it's very important that you guys go to the Hunting Gear podcast and take a look, uh, take a listen, or you can go to the YouTube channel and watch it. But take a listen to uh, the, the podcast with Mark Boardman from Vortex Optics, where we talk about all of the new products that have been released in 2023 and all the way up to... And I can't even they've been they've been launching new products like crazy recently. So vortexoptics.com, awesome company, awesome optics. Go check them out. Uh, code Blue Sense. I keep saying it and I keep meaning it. Get the Rope system. Get it, hang it out any time of year, put a trail camera by it and watch deer come to it. That's that's been my experience. I have uh, two or three trail cameras right on top of a mock scrape setup that I did with a rope dope system and every deer and I mean does bucks fawns everything comes to investigate this mock scrape and I get pictures of them so it's a great way for inventory maybe in a state where you can't bait so uh codebluesense.com discount code nfc20 Uh, Next on the list is Woodman's Pal. If you're looking for a machete, a habitat tool, something to cut shooting lanes, cut access routes, hack bushes out of the way for trail camera setups, go check out Uh, woodmanspal.com. American-made product. They've been around since the 40s, and it's one of those, I I feel it's one of those products you guys should have in your truck at all times. Huntworth. In my opinion, again, some of the best gear for the right price like i'm gonna put their product line up against the elite brands of of camouflage and it's because i've had it over a year now to mess around with the quality of the products they're durable they're well made they're comfortable great fit and they their layering system is legit right they have everything you need for any temperature so go check out uh, huntworth, huntworthgear.com, check out their website and, uh, take a look and follow them on Instagram because they throw out a lot of discount codes. I think the next one, I'm not sure, probably some, something in the springtime is when they'll have a, another discount code available. So that's coming up. And last but not least, I'm just going to say this, go visit fullsneakgear.com. That's my brand new apparel line. Uh, just if you like deer hunting, it's a deer, I mean, it's, it's a deer hunting website. It's a deer hunting clothing. It's if you're serious about deer hunting, this is going to be the product line for you. It's cool. It's comfortable. And to be honest with you, I didn't just pick any t-shirts. I picked the highest quality t-shirts and sweatshirts and stocking caps and hats. And so you're, you're going to buy it, but you're going to wear it for a long time. Fullsneakgear.com. And if you have any questions, hit me up. That is today's intro. Huge shout out to each and every one of you. And I really do wish you all the success now that the seasons are, are starting to wind down. I know for some of you, man, I think you got like down in the South, you, some of you guys have a month left. And so good vibes your way. And it's almost turkey season, right? And to, I'm going to be honest, man, I kind of have the itch to go turkey hunting. And uh, I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that mostly because my daughter Is going to be accompanying me this year again for another youth season and she's already talking about it she's jacked about it and I think this year I'm also going to be pulling my son out of school to go to the on that Friday of youth season so uh, I'm looking forward to that hey let's get to today's episode with Clint Campbell as we talk about shot placement Three, two, one. All right, another episode of No Foreplay. Clint Campbell from the Truth From The Stand podcast is back on the show today. And what are we talking about today, man?
1: Today, man, what I was thinking of, and I've been thinking of this quite a bit um, recently, Mm -hmm. is – First, it started off, I was thinking of whether or not to stop deer when you're about to make that shot, right? Mm-hmm. Do you stop them to let them walk? Like, what are those kind of situations or circumstances you do that? And then, you know, and then at the same time, thinking of shot placement and where this kind of came from was um, I'm getting ready to get purchase a, a uh, longbow mm-hmm. and start not forcing myself, but legitimately making that transition from a compound to... Traditional equipment and right. you know, we'll see how quickly that transition happens And that's really what got me kind of thinking about it because this past year both, you know bucks that I shot I shot through the shoulder, you know And one was a you know a 10 ring on a heart shot through the shoulder And then the other one was that one in Kansas that it went through both shoulders and it just started make me Made me stop and think like making this transition specifically because I want to sh- I want to kill a buck on the ground in the plain states With traditional equipment. It's right. kind of the reason why but that hunt specifically made me start to kind of think just about my shot placement there. Cause it was, you know, I couldn't have shot that buck any better, but it was through both shoulders and knowing that I have a shorter draw length moving to traditional equipment, not quite as much ass behind it. made me start to think about, I might need to start thinking
0: about my placement a little bit differently. Yeah. 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 Great topic. Shot placement. Um, let, let's just, let's just continue the, the gear or the, the, method in which we are trying to harvest these deer um i i really do think like the let's just start with archery right Mm -hmm. um with archery equipment a compound bow with a well-weighted arrow is going to do a lot of damage 50 pounds 60 pounds Mm -hmm. 70 pounds you know and kudos to the guys who are pulling you know 80 pounds and plus my shoulders couldn't couldn't take that no but uh but, um, yeah, I, I'm not, I wouldn't be as concerned. I, I'm trying to put myself in the traditional archer's shoes because I think that for them, it would mean you would have to think more on shot placement than I would with my compound tackle because I really, dude, this is going to sound bad, but I'm a, I go into kill mode. I'll take frontals. I'll take hard quartering. I'll take uh, hard quartering towards. You know, never, never in the ass or you know straight right. away. But if a deer's within shooting range, especially if it's inside 15 yards, more than likely it's getting an arrow. I mean, it would have to be in some thick stuff, and it somehow made its way into me without walking away. Uh, in walking away from me straight on where the only option would be like the back of the head or in the neck. Right. Right. I've also taken a shot where the deer is coming out of a crick bed and it was walking up the opposite side hill at 30 yards. And so you could see it's, I mean it's spine w- went right down the middle and I took a shot at that because he was vertical, right? It was almost mm-hmm. like he was standing on his hind legs, but he was up. So he was he was walking away from me, but all of his vitals were still right there, right? Mm-hmm. And so he stopped, he turned his head, he looked, and I, I hit a branch. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know whether or not it would have been a good shot. I hit a branch, the arrow went f- sailing. Um, let's kind of walk through what you would do in a scenario where you have traditional archery and a deer is coming in like i i hear guys saying that you know for me it's probably 60 yards with a compound what do you feel would be the ideal or the, the maximum range for traditional archery
1: man i mean for me just being a newbie like I, i'm gonna be hopeful that by the time that I get to the point that I'm going to actually start using it. Cause I'm not going to, I'm not going to go into the the timber with it until I feel confident right. with it. Right. Right. And I want my, you know, effective range to be 20 yards. Like if I can get to 20 yards, like I will feel pretty good, mm-hmm. you know, about, you know, my opportunities. Now there's some guys that can shoot well beyond that. And maybe if I, I practice enough and I spend enough time with it for a couple of years or whatever, maybe I can get to that point, but mm-hmm. I would be super stoked if I was, if I, if I was as confident with a traditional bow out to 20 yards as I am with my compound out to stay 40, yeah. you know, if I can, if I can do that, then I
0: think I'd, I'd feel pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, now with, with a compound bow, what's the, what's the max you're taking as far as yardage is <laughs> concerned.
1: Yeah. I mean, if like in Kansas, like just because like it's, it's open, right.
0: Mm-hmm. I always kind of said
1: there would, that would probably be the longest shot I would take would be in a plan. Whether it's Kansas, Nebraska, just like open area, like mm-hmm. I guess is a better way to say it. You know, I was prepared to take, you know, a 50 yard shot, probably if the opportunity presented itself. And I'm, I'm talking, you know, I don't have 30 mile per hour crosswind, you know what I mean? The animal's relaxed, you know, and it's not, you know, I'm not worried about it taking off whenever I release the arrow or or something like that. Right. Right. That would probably be the max. Um, It it just around here in PA, just areas I hunt. I don't think I've ever shot a deer in this area or in PA that was any further than 20 yards away. I don't think. Yeah. Um. Just based on how thick a lot of the places are that I that I that I hunt. So that those just
0: to kind of frame you know how what yeah. my distances are based on a uh, based on the terrain. Yeah. Okay. So usually, and I'm not saying every time, but usually when you start talking into this trad, um, this trad, uh, type of equipment, you're talking about r- really heavy FOC and really h- heavy total arrow weight in general. Okay, so mm-hmm. that means a slower an, uh, arrow, more momentum. However, and um, and so, do you think that traditional archers have to take different shot angles in order to affi- uh, effectively kill uh, a, a big game species like a whitetail or mule deer or elk? I don't know about
1: shot angle, but I definitely think they have to like you you got to be pretty good with your gapping, right? Mm-hmm. Or like just understanding like the flight of your arrow. And there's a bunch of different ways to shoot, you know, whether you're, you know, whether you're aiming or where you shoot, you know, uh, more instinctively or, mm-hmm. or whatever the case is. But it's just being able to know where that arrow is ultimately going to, going to land. Mm-hmm. I think for me, like when we start talking shot angles, like and just in talking to a buddy of mine last night, we were kind of chopping it up about it. He was actually saying one of the hardest ways for someone moving from compound to traditional, one of the most challenging things to do is to actually use it in a saddle. One, mm-hmm. just especially that, you know, offside or a weak side shot. But two, from an elevated setup, when they get really close. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like the mistake that a lot of people will make is they constantly practice that 20-yard shot. He's like, that's actually like the easiest shot you're gonna get with traditional equipment, you know, because it's just it's longer, a little bit more to deal with in the in the tree. He's like, the tough shot is is that they get, you know, 10 yards and in, they're right on top of you. Even with a compound, like, that's a tough shot because it's such a high angle mm-hmm. or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to think about, you know, you're not shooting this bow up and down usually, like, you kind of can't it to the side. Some folks do, you know, so there's mm-hmm. just a lot more that kind of goes into it. And he was like, that's the shot that you want to spend time with yeah. because that's the one that you end up watching a target buck walk away from you because you just can't get comfortable to take that shot because it's awkward for you. Right. You know? And so I think you definitely have to take it into consideration. I think what would probably where I would probably, I don't want to say stumble, but what I think will be challenging for me is just knowing when I have a good shot presented. Right. Cause now to your point earlier, like with my compound, like, man, I feel as long as I can see something that will kill it, (laughs) I feel pretty good that I can, that I can make that shot, you know? Um, And then that, you know, and that for me, at least this isn't for everybody. Like I'm sure there's guys out there that are super like way more confident in their traditional equipment than, than I probably ever will be. Um, But I'm looking more for that, like classic, like, man, I want to see, yeah, I want to see lungs. I want to try to get double lungs, you know, just it would make me feel a lot more comfortable. And it's probably part of it is just, you know, being new and, having a learning curve to, yeah. to get confident, and know what my equipment can
0: do and what it, what it can't do. Right. Right. All right. So that's the trad side of things. Um, right. Let's talk a little bit about um, the, the compound. Right. You got your compound in the tree. Is there any shot that you won't take first of first of mm-hmm. all?
1: i think what you were saying earlier just the one that i absolutely won't take is like when they're facing away from me right you know i i mean i'm not telling any tales out of school here i mean i think we all love that that slightly quartering away shot right mm-hmm. that gets your head their head away from you a little bit gives you an opportunity to draw potentially right and then you stick it in that back rib and you basically take everything with it yep. you know that's like the, the money shot yeah you know i the only one that i'm always hesitant to is the is the frontal like i've never taken a frontal shot i've never been presented a shot on an animal that i wanted to kill that that was the only shot the only shot that it gave me yeah you know um and this year you know gave me a lot of confidence just in my setup that i have to be able to take you know tough shots you know where it's like i'm dealing with shoulder bone and stuff like that and i think it also depends on the the critter you're chasing now with my draw length and stuff like that I would not take the shot that I took on the the whitetail in Kansas. If it were an elk, I'll put it that way. Yeah. Right. I just wouldn't be confident that I have enough ass in my setup, you know, yeah. to, to get the job done there. Um, but on whitetails, you know, other than the frontal and even that one, like, I feel like if it was close enough range, I feel like I, I feel like I would stick it in the inside of that pocket and yeah. let it rip.
0: Yeah. I've had uh, my 2021 buck, was the perfect frontal shot. Uh, buried it. I didn't hit his heart and I didn't hit any lungs, believe it or not. I hit right in the middle where the heart, all those arteries and valves um, connect to the lung, and it went right in there, just swish cheesed it. And when mm-hmm. I was gutting the deer, the heart pretty much just rolled out without me having to pull it. It was, it was a beautiful thing and it hopped, it did a bounce, bounce fall over dead. Right. And so, but that was at 10 yards. Am I taking a frontal at 30? No, absolutely not. Right. 20. If he's, if he's calm, maybe if his head's up, maybe he's at, uh, I don't know, a scenario would be, he's at a licking branch or something. But Mm. here's one thing that I've noticed. And I think a lot of, how you shoot deer depends on how you set up in the timber on like on in, within the terrain. Hear me out once and I want to hear your thoughts on this. Mm-hmm. I hear guys talk about setting up away from trails. Like okay, well here's a scrape. I want to set up away from it. Or here is a a main trail on this terrain feature, so I want to set up on the downwind side away from it and hopefully catch them coming in broadside. I don't like, I I personally don't do that. I set up on the trail. I set up as close to where I think the deer is going to be as humanly possible. And so I think that actually has a lot to do with how I've taught myself to shoot deer with a frontal or a quartering towards. Or maybe even a, maybe it, it sneaks through one shooting lane I wasn't prepared for it and now he's still close but he's quartering quartering towards or um shooting down at him instead of uh, uh you know completely broadside like this year this year was strange this year my buck was at 20 25-ish yards double lunged him watched him fall over dead um but every other deer for the most part that I've had has been inside 25 yards has been extremely close to me and i've i've i have not taken that that um typical broadside shot on these deer mm-hmm. right? i'm killing them with liver shots quartering into backside lung um or even hitting forward on that same angle hitting front uh front side lung and maybe coming out the neck and hitting uh an artery in the neck ble- bleeding to death um i have found back in Uh, in my day, dude, you shoot a deer in the lungs, they're going to kick and they're going to run as fast as they can. You hit a deer in the liver, they're going to hunch and they're going to walk slowly away. Right. And Mm -hmm. so I've, I've, I've had deer react to, uh, getting shot in the liver by falling over and dying in like, I don't know, 40 seconds. I've had double lungs fall over dead in 40 seconds. I got to tell this story. My stepdad, oh man, this was a long time ago. We were both sitting in the same fence line. He double lunged a buck, and we tracked it for one mile. Hmm. Super soaker blood trail. I mean, it was mm-hmm. it was like someone was dumping pop out of it, and it took it that long to die. Crazy. One of a one a right. one of one type uh, story, and so when it comes to where you're aiming or, or do you think where you set up and how you set up in a terrain feature or within that landscape plays a role in how, what, what shot you are willing to take?
1: Yeah, I, I think it totally does. Cause I set up differently depending on what's around me essentially. Mm-hmm. Right. So if I can have it the way I absolutely want it is I want to set up to where I'm always taking like if I'm in my saddle, it's like I'm always taking a strong side shot. So I'm always shooting off the off to my left. And it's just, you know, classic deer hunting one oh one is that I want to set up to where there's something behind me or to my right that where deer can't get to that side of me. So right. I'm forcing the deer to come to where I kind of, you know, want them to. But without that even, if there's if it's an area that I can see well Mm -hmm. like so let's just use a destination spot because i like to hunt scrapes right so let's just use a scrape as an example like a community scrape if i can see around that scrape let's just say 15 yards and like any direction around that scrape then i'm going to hunt probably on top the scrape and i'm probably going to plan to shoot the deer before it ever gets there right right i'm just using that as like the center of the hub and like he you know, a lot of times these, you know, you know as well as I do, these bucks will take like these offshoot trails that aren't super defined, and mm-hmm. they won't come directly into a scrape. they will just kind of stay off them a little bit, and so I'm going to position myself at the scrape, kind of right, because then I know that I have an opportunity probably anywhere around it within within reason, right? Yeah. If it's an area that I that there's not a lot of room around it then I'm likely going to set up off of it because that one spot is probably the only opportunity that I'll have in terms of like a clear shot opportunity. Yeah. And so then I want the space between me and them. That way I have a little bit, you know, better opportunity to draw, stay concealed a little bit better. And I have just a little bit better of an angle for, for the shot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so those are kind of the two ways I think of, especially if I'm setting up on a destination spot, you know, if I can see around me, then I have a lot of opportunities and then I want to be on the spot because I want, all the opportunities if I can't see around me very well then I want to be off the spot because that spot is probably going to be the
0: the one or two the one of two places maybe that I'm going to have a shot opportunity right right let's say a deer standing 20 yards broadside you have your compound are you the kind of guy who's going to tuck it right in behind the shoulder or are you giving yourself a little room for air so this is—it's
1: it's funny you ask this question because this is literally one of the things I was thinking about as I've been kind of thinking about making that, you know, tr- tr- uh, transition mm-hmm. to traditional. I'm a tuck it in the pocket kind of guy. Like I hug, uh-huh. I hug the shoulder. Yeah. Hence, you know, the last two bucks I shot, I I shot through shoulders. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and it's because I'm not taking long shots either, and I'm pretty confident in my yeah. setup. So if I hit shoulder bone, like I'm not too worried about it. You know, yeah. I feel like I can, I'll make it through it, and 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 I'll be fine. Yeah. I'm having to kind of you know, I was literally thinking to myself last night after I got kind of, you know, done talking to my buddy. I was like, Man, I was like this year, whenever I'm practicing with that, I was like, I need to start making sure that I am, you know, focusing probably more on margin of error and going more center vital mass, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. giving myself like two to three inches on the left, two to three inches on the right, you know, one, you know, two inches up, two inches down, you know, to be able to play with because I'm just probably not going to have the setup that's going to, you know, do what my current setup is doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Especially when you're a new, you know, new into trad, you know, like for me, I, I used to be the guy who was like, Oh, cause everything I, I had learned about archery was here's the heart. Here's what you should aim for. And obviously the heart is a smaller target than the lungs are. <laughs> and so over the years, Like I've missed, I've completely missed deer low because I I was aiming for the heart and everything that I had read up into a certain point was like deer are going to drop when they hear your bow go off. Well, if they don't drop or or they're really close and they drop afterwards, it doesn't matter, right? You, you, you missed, you missed. And so since then, since I, I kind of. You know, I've had some liver shots, and I know that uh, the liver is a deadly shot. If you hit the liver solid, that deer will die, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and, you, and more than likely, they're going to die very, fairly quickly because mm-hmm. the liver bleeds really bad. You hit the lungs, they're going to die. You hit the heart, they're going to die. Um, and so I now, knowing that I've seen and had, having the experience with liver shots— I've come off that shoulder probably four inches and I'm aiming for a double lung. But then I know if I miss, like what you said, if I miss four t- inches to the right, there's still a chance I hit back lung or I hit liver. If I'm missing forward, I'm still in that shoulder pocket and I'm, you know, mm-hmm. front side lung potentially hard if it's low. Uh, and yeah. and so I've also dealt with high shots too. And so in the past, I, you know, like I've hit backstrap on, man, uh, several years ago, I hit a, a deer backstrap or I've actually hit a deer below the spine and it went through, like it, it went, it must've went below the spine on this inch or whatever that is but, because usually the lungs come right up into the, I hit a deer there, never found him and he came back yeah. the next year and so whatever. Uh, right. I, I was baffled that I didn't kill that buck anyway. Yeah. Um, so that's why I, I don't, I don't shoot the pocket anymore. I, I come off right. of it knowing that I have a margin of error. There was one guy, I forget his name, but he always used to say, he says, shoot him in the middle, find him in the morning. And I'm just like, <laughs> no, I, I want to watch. I want to watch him die in sight. That's the goal. Right. So, right
1: that's hilarious man yeah it's funny because like I definitely am a hug the shoulder guy yeah. uh, from the left and right but for my up and down I'm center up and down Me like, too. I don't I don't I don't play the drop I no. never really have like I when I I shoot a single pin and what what the way I've set it up is I think it's like rough – I think it's 26 yards is where I have it set mm-hmm. and I know at 26 yards if I'm shooting out the 30 I have about a three inch drop at 30 yards right mm-hmm. so i know if i'm shooting out the 30 yards from a tree and i have a deer that's going to drop and i'm holding it center mass even if i'm hug- hugging the shoulder if they drop i have three inches up it, yeah. up basically up and down that i can play with right and so if i'm hitting you know if i sh- hold it center mass i'm yeah. gonna shoot three inches low at 30 yards i'm gonna still be in the bottom of the vitals if they don't drop yeah. if they do drop i'm probably going to be you know top of the lungs and still be still be a kill shot right yeah and then when they come in and they're under roughly like 15 yards or so i'm going to naturally shoot a little bit high and and whenever you're at that funky angle right you want you want to shoot just a little bit high right mm-hmm. because you want that exit wound right yep. and and so it kind of takes all the guesswork out for me as to where i'm going to hold up and down based on the yardage so i know if a 26 yard pin i'm good from 30 to rate right up on my business, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of holding it center up and down. Now, yeah. my left and right, I always try to hug the pocket, but up and down, I don't ever have to calibrate. It's always the same up and down.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. All right, uh, deer comes in, and he's whether he's a chasing a doe or he's on a mission or he's coming through, and you, he doesn't look like he's going to stop. What's your what's your stop strategy?
1: Yeah, so I'm typically a. I'm typically a stop the deer, mm-hmm. um, probably just just out of habit. It, it, which I say that in the Kansas buck this year I stopped the Pennsylvania buck I did not. Okay, you know so, but it was a little bit different scenario. The one in PA was you know October 16th, so he was just straight chilling, milling about, mm-hmm. doing a little browsing as he was you know probably late getting back to bed that morning, and you know not not a care in the world, right? Yeah. And then the Kansas one was November 7th that had two does around yeah right and so you know i'm typically if i can shoot them without me letting them know i'm there that's kind of what i'm for yeah if they're with other deer and i don't and they're moving around and i can't predict kind of what they're doing or they don't give me a a real good kind of indication of like their specific line of travel that they're going to be consistent with that Mm -hmm. i can shoot them on then it's then i'm going to stop them you know and 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 just give myself the best opportunity to to have my pin where I want it and, and let it rip. So that's kind of my, my approach. I mean, I think it's, it's always a crap shoot. So I, I don't ever say I stop all the deer or let all the deer walk. It just kind of depends on,
0: on the scenario. Yeah, man. That's a, I always think stopping deer it's, I feel it's a necessity to do it, but if I can get in, if I can get a deer to naturally stop, Mm-hmm. Then, then I, I'm going to take that shot. You know, let's say all mm-hmm. things all things considered, he's in my shooting range and he stopped. He comes in and he slows down and stops, and I you know let the arrow go. And he takes a step forward. I'm still hitting a little back lung. I'm hitting some. You know, this is if he's broadside. Um, mm-hmm. but I've also had the scenario happen where. We talked about you know now I'm four inches off the shoulder, I mm-hmm. am dead center up down, and the deer, uh, 2016 as a matter of fact, I stopped the deer because he was I, uh, I grunted, he was gonna walk out in this field. He took a hard left right towards me, and he was he was coming to investigate the grunt, and he saw deer out in the other field because I was uh, hunting on a fence corner. Crossing, and he came through uh twenty. Let's just say twenty yards. I went, bam. He got tense. I put the arrow right where I thought it was going to go. He dropped when he heard the arrow go off, and I spined him. Luckily, I spined him. He fell down. I put another arrow in him. It's over. But right. but that was a scenario where if. He he would have dropped a little bit further, or if it was, let's say, 25, 30 yards and there was more reaction time, shit, that could have hit backstrap. It could have hit, I could have missed high on him. And I watching these studies, or if you go to YouTube and seeing how far a deer can actually drop, especially if they're usually the impressive ones are when their head is down feeding. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. if their head's up then they, they can't react as much, which is, which is something that is very important when watching uh, a deer's body language. It's very important. Are they spooked or are they just curious, right? Are they, yeah. are they naturally moving through? Um, did you just rattle? Are they coming in frantic searching? Like a lot of, I feel a lot of that plays a, a role in whether or not you stop them.
1: Yeah, 100%, man. I think it's, you know, time of year for me is is important mm, as far as yeah. like whether or not I think I'm going to have to stop a deer or, mm-hmm. or whether I would be willing to or not, right? And distance makes a big difference. So I said, you know, the one in PA, you know, I didn't stop. I, I shot him walking, you know. And when I say walking, like he was barely walking, yeah. you know what I mean? Yep. But that shot was also 12 yards, mm-hmm. right? So it's like even if he did take a step, chances of it being any more than like a half inch to an inch, back from where I was holding my pin, not a, not a big deal. Right. You know, the one in Kansas, you know, 27 yards, you know, little, little bit different. Like I probably, even if you were walking slow and it's just say it was October and he was by himself, you know, mid October and he was by himself, I'm probably still stopping him at that distance. Yeah. You know, but I like the element of surprise anytime I, anytime I can get it. And that's one thing I've been kind of thinking about again with, Considering making that transition to traditional equipment, knowing that, man, I'm going to go from shooting short draw length, right? So my, I probably shoot 260, F, you know, feet per second is probably mm-hmm. what my my bow is mm-hmm. roughly, give or take. Yeah. Um, and I'm probably going to shoot like a 160 to 180 <laughs> yeah. with a traditional bow, you know, yeah. I mean, depending on the setup and and stuff like that, right? So, yeah. you know, I have to. I'm starting to take all this stuff into consideration because.
0: The game's changed i mean it's it's a complete game changer you know like you got to relearn everything
1: yeah yeah Yeah. and so now i'm like you know talking to buddies and be like do you stop deer do you not stop deer when do you stop them you know because and i'm watching videos of guys like hunts of guys using traditional equipment and watching and paying attention like did they stop that deer did they not stop that deer how far was that like trying to figure out like you know just in watching guys in Actual environment make those decisions, and what are they? And what are they doing? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um. So I got a lot to
0: learn. Isn't it crazy how some of us are like? So I got to bring this up. I'm right in the middle, right? I I have cell cameras. I, you know, they send me pictures. I know where deer are at, all that stuff. But at the same mm-hmm. time, I also at some point am going to go trad, and because I I just feel like it's For a serious hunter, it's like playing a badass card. Oh, you shot that deer? That's an awesome buck. Oh, you shot it with a trad bow? Kudos, dude. You know, like, (laughs) you know, uh, it's just, it's, you know, like, it's the story, right? It's like, hey, you Mm -hmm. shot it with a gun. Oh, okay. You shot it with a bow. Oh, cool. You shot that with a trad bow? Holy shit, dude. You know, like, the story just seems to get better. And I'm all about, like, the stories. And so, uh, I don't know, man, everybody wants things to get easier and I'm kind of, uh, you know, in some way, shape or form, I I do that with like the Ozonics and I do that with Mm -hmm. the hunting, the, uh, the, uh, Jesus Christ, the, the, uh, cell cams, (laughs) Jesus, the cell (laughs) cam is that brain we talked about earlier, that brain fog and, uh, and then also wanting to go, do something harder which is trad on public right because that's another trump you know when it when it comes to storytelling you did it on private cool but if you did it on public then you're like oh my god that's an amazing story so right um
1: yeah it's it's funny man because for me it's like i i so my dad when he did bow hunt uh he only ever hunted with the with a recurve when i was growing up yeah and you know and that first year i ever bow hunted i hunted with a recurve yeah and you know, which was, was probably one of the dumbest things I ever did, yeah. but it was probably, I should have just stuck with it. Right. Cause mm-hmm. like that first season with that bow was really rough. And that was, I was like, I was like, all right, I'm going to switch to a compound because I was like, i this is just gonna, it probably would have ruined me. And I probably would have stopped at at some point yeah. because it just was, was that hard. And I probably, and I wasn't good enough yet. Right. I wasn't a skilled enough hunter to, to make it, to make my equipment, make it more challenging for me. Yeah. I'm just at a place now where, you know, I want the, uh, I want the connectivity to my body, oh, like yeah. I want to feel like I'm I'm in control of all of it, yeah. you know, um, and that's really, you know, what I'm I think what I'm chasing is probably more of that spiritual, yeah. you know, element of it being connected, being more primitive, and you know, and just experiencing that. I think is is what what I'm looking for.
0: You're you're the you're like Bo- uh, Bodhi from um uh you know you're, you're looking for the ride man you're looking for the perfect i ride. am dude that is a great way to freaking say it, I know, dude. i'm looking
1: for the ride because literally the my buddy i was talking to last night we were talking about it and i was like i don't know i was like just the past several years it was part of why i started doing jujitsu too i love grappling but it was more of like how it makes me feel connected to my body, mm-hmm. like in a way that I've, I've not felt connected to my body before, right? Yeah. It's capabilities, like it's the nuances of how it feels. I was like, I'm looking for that same thing. And bow hunting always kind of gave me that because it was primitive. It was primal, right? You're very close. You're up, up close and personal. You got to really know your 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 enemy, if you will, what, yeah. right? Really well to mm-hmm. get the job done. And, and now once I kind of had that experience with my body and jujitsu, I was like, how do I take that same type of experience and how do I like get that type of intensity and connection and like,
0: elevate it even more.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. How do I, how do I make this like part of my soul? I was yeah. like, well, we'll make it part of make it an extension of me, yeah. make it even more intimate yeah. as as intimate as possible. Right. So that really was like the chase for me, man. It's like, that's a great way to say it, man. I'm, I'm chasing that that ultimate ride the ultimate right ride. i'm gonna chase the 50 the 50-year 50 storm dude yeah,
0: uh, bells what's that bells beach or uh uh bells yeah i think it's bells beach or something in australia yeah. Yeah. yeah i'm gonna see you there handcuffed uh handcuffed yeah. to some uh, uh fbi agent <laughs> like <laughs> hey what happened to clint man you just flew too close to the sun, dude. <laughs> hey, year storm, bro. <laughs> hey, man, uh, great conversation today. I appreciate your time. Thanks for hopping on, man. You bet, brother. Thanks for having me.